Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by the wonderful Emily Beecham to talk all about her latest Netflix series, 1899. Um, and I've heard you mention that this project felt very different to any of the projects that you've done previously as an actor. And, and as a result, you had to approach it quite differently from any other project as well. And within that, I, I was really interested in what those differences were, what that what that shifted and changed for you in terms of not only creating this character, but also in essence, going into production and, and filming and just how that felt like a different approach for you overall. Gosh, there's so many parts of it that were really different for one and the technology, the volume, which is a new technology it replaces green screen. Um, but also the way that Bo and Yancha work and they kind of, Somehow they kind of piece together the thing-ish as they go along, but they know the overall arc really, but they did warn us that it might take a U-turn and we might have to reshoot stuff and they'll rewrite the rewrite the plot. But that actually didn't happen in the end. But also because of Moira, my character, she's suffering memory loss, which is obvious from the trailer. She's talking to herself like a bit like Memento or she's reminding herself who she is. So she's got these massive gaps and then kind of these flashbacks of traumas or but also uh she's so many different things and she keeps getting clues as to who she is she's a bit like an onion so you like pull it off and then something else is underneath there and um she's a totally different person to who she or we thought she was um which is exciting but um also kind of meant because she can't remember who she is she's keeping all her cards close to her chest so as you would you would really not know who to trust and so I watched I think it's still Alice and like with Alzheimer's references and also Mancurian Candidate and Memento, which is also about not really trusting your surroundings, not knowing who you are. So I think beforehand it was about kind of making choices as to how to make the character without making her just, well, dull or too closed or too um, um, vulnerable, wanting her to have different things that come out all the time. So she's kind of, she has a lot of contradictions. She's very strong-minded and assertive and clever. But um, also she is a victim and she is vulnerable because of her circumstance for many reasons. And she's a woman in 1899 as well. She's trying to practice as a doctor. She's not allowed to. Um, loads of different things that are kind of crippling her along the way, but she's sort of pushing through that. So it was a bit like a mind map trying to, and then another clue in the plot comes that shifts her and takes, make, takes a total U-turn. So it was kind of going, okay, what's that mean? What's that marker? And figuring out when to harass Bo and Yancha, the writers, the creators, about what's that mean? Is that significant? Do you know yet what this is? Tell me. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, yeah, it was unusual. It was like playing several different characters at once with a lot of secrets kept hidden from you, but some not anyway. Yeah. And, and given the, the number of different directions that this character is taking you and the number of different facets that you're even just describing there, um, and in particular, it sounds like maybe you didn't have all of the, the scripts up front, you know, or that you knew that they they might potentially rewrite certain certain arcs. Did you have to go into scenes kind of making choices that in in essence would give you the ability and give you the space to make, you make those U-turns and make those potential shifts when you're filming a scene a couple of episodes later? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I had to... I guess make it all make sense or be quite specific. I kind of wanted it to be quite specific and that sounds quite boring, but it, because I think it makes it more interesting or more more kind of nuanced or layered if, if you do 
put in the effort to think about what's this specificity or what, what is she, what's her angle right now or, um, yeah, what are her secrets, what are her, yeah, idiosyncrasies or, 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 or whatever. What, what was your question? I think I've gotten myself into a labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I feel like in, in turn you are answering it though, because it's about that, that, that kind of necessity potentially to make choices where you can shift and change but it sounds like mm-hmm. kind of being quite specific was the answer to that. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that as well. Yeah, kind of keeping an open mind. And I think it wasn't until episode, uh, I don't know, six or seven that Bo was like, oh, is that, I've watched it, it works. You care about her. Or, um, because before we started, he was like, I don't know who Moira is. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> Nobody, but in a way that is, that is it it's 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 figuring out who she is um along the journey and she is this sort of um yeah as I said contradictions and surprises and but I think that's that is true to everyone that's quite realistic I think we're full of many different polar opposites um all the time just what we choose to show on the outside really or what our choices are but really we're as human beings we're a million and one different things really and there was sorts of in our nature so I thought it was an interesting opportunity and with the character. Did you talk with them at all about moments where you wanted to draw the audience into certain details or to allow them to see certain aspects within her against where things needed to be kept quite close to the chest as well narratively? Because even just thinking back to the beginning of the first episode when she wakes up from a dream and in her dream she's been restrained but then when she wakes up there's that moment where you're kind of touching your wrists and we see the marks on them. Mm -hmm. And so that's an instance of making sure that the audience kind of has that detail. And then Mm -hmm. I imagine that as you go further into to the season that there's almost things that make sense in in yeah. regard to earlier moments a lot yes well they're spinning so many plates at once and they know there's so many things that they're in charge of with the you know filming it and the all the details they know a million one details and then our job is to make the characters real and um as accessible or interesting as possible and so I think everybody had their different departments but it's all kind of carefully managed by Yencha and Bo together it's all here and also they also said in the beginning they said it was quite a delicate process so sometimes they were like just you can't ask questions right now because it's so delicate and like it affects it influences what we decide later and we don't want that so just leave that for now and and so you've got to respect every different way that filmmakers work which is always always different so um, yeah adapt to it but um, so yeah for me it was finding things that made her accessible and those references like Still Alice or Mancurian Candidate were were useful things to hang on to and because she's quite lost she's a bit like a jellyfish she's like totally lost and vulnerable in the beginning and then she starts to find more of her autonomy and her control and starts to find she's a bit like an anti-heroine so you don't quite know whether she is a good or a bad person and that's sort of also what she is trying to figure out (laughs) yeah 
And you're bringing up one of one of the details of her before, which is that she's been studying medicine, you know, which is a, a field that's not welcoming to women. And even just the fact that she's able to study it, but she's not allowed to practice it within her field. And the fact that it's, you know, the brain is is the center of fascination for her. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have such a key component to a person like that, how did that inform some of her personality aspects? Because that in of itself is telling us about, you know, her confidence, the fact that she doesn't conform to what society thinks she should be as a person. Um, and so what were a lot of the details that something like that so essential gave you in her? Mm-hmm. Well, she says at one point that she, her father brought her up to be as a boy, as her son. And so she, in her mind, you know, she's con- she's capable of doing, I mean, obviously she, she's very clever. And so she's obviously frustrated by that and wanting to be able to do it and obviously have her autonomy and have, make the choices she needs to make or, especially when the other doctor on the ship is ridiculously lazy and useless and also incredibly patronizing. <laughs> and so it's um, um, trying to not to get herself a balance between not getting herself into trouble, um, which you could do really. I mean, sometimes many women didn't really have control over their finance or their own lives really. So you want to, to be a little bit cautious in that. and. Um, I also thought it was interesting. There was an interesting story that I read about a woman who was put in an asylum because she, I think she didn't conform to the religion that her husband wanted her to be in. So he basically got her locked up. And it was only years later that they confirmed she's not, she's not insane. So she was eventually released, but um, yeah, she obviously took all her assets. And anyway, so I think that was a good example as to how vulnerable she could be so she's only pushing as much as she can um so she's clever and cautious but um um yes yeah so she is on that ship to travel to the the, um, the us so she can practice as a doctor she couldn't in the in the uk um um yeah and, and also going back to that detail of, of memory loss for her, you know, it's it's interesting to see how she navigates and how she moves through the space, being quite observational, or even just mm-hmm. that moment in front of the mirror where she's saying out loud to herself, you know, this is my name, this is where I'm from, this is today's date, I'm not crazy, you know, and mm-hmm. almost, and starts kind of repeating that cycle again. So we see that this isn't just something that she mm-hmm. says once out loud to herself. And so how did you find the different ways in which she tries to read information that she's uncertain? of and also just to really center herself in the face of uncertainty um that's that's actually quite a tricky question I mean well because she's saying all those things to herself you understand that she's kind of having some kind of experience where she's reminding us at least she can remember that that she needs to get a grip on her reality all the time she doesn't remember anything else which is actually quite similar to memento in many ways he keeps getting these photographs and going fuck okay oh <laughs> um so at least she's got that she's got this kind of thin string which is horrible it's very disconcerting and very vulnerable making and i mean that would just probably be your worst scenario really and it's what a lot of sadly what a lot of people experience with memory loss and must be awful experience but um yeah so 
in a way she herself is her own worst enemy and then of course she's having a lot of panic attacks which is in the script which is um <laughs> which is kind of it was escaping from this thing she's got these flashbacks and these memories and she's pushing them away or kind of fighting them so that's kind of in I think how it how it manifests itself forcing and fighting and pushing against these things and 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 results in her being incredibly kind of controlled and fearful um is how she starts out um so uh yeah she's having a huge battle with herself until she starts to get a bit of a grip as the show goes along and figures out actually this is the direction I need to go in and actually this this character I don't know if I can say or this character and I think it's great because to, at the end actually I wanted her to shift and be strong and and, and um she gains more control and realizes she's actually a lot more responsible for many things than she realized or or that um finds her um momentum or her fight or her direction and and has more control so you do see a different side of her yeah and I love it. And what what did you view as as her relationship between the fact that she's someone who tries to approach everything from a very logical standpoint, you know, even just the fact that she really understands the brain and how we process information, um, but also there are emotional components, you know, and there's emotional components to the fact that she's even on this boat to begin with. Um, and she's even complimented at one point about, oh, you're someone that leaves your emotions out of things, but that's not always necessarily true. Sometimes it's just underneath the surface. And so sometimes it comes to the foreground more. And so what did you view that relationship between the fact that ultimately logically and intellectually, that's how she wants to approach things, but that's not always the case in how she's able to. No. Yes. She's very, um, Yes, she's a science head, so she's, you know, into science and fascinated about that. Um, but also she has this loss and um, things that she's having to deal with. Um, so it's a, a balance between the two. She's, yes, dealing with both things. <laughs> I probably want to say a lot more about that but anyway I'll go back I know you, you're doing such a great job at, at giving details and, and not giving the entire plot of the, the show away I'm impressed and appreciate it yeah. um you know and and also within that that sense of of not trusting anyone even herself there's a real stoicness to the way that you deliver your performance and a real stillness and a quietness to her was that something that was quite evident to you on the page and the idea of how you saw her movement as a character well, I thought she's got a massive internal world because, well, she's holding so many secrets. There's like ticking time bombs. They're quite explosive secrets. And she's also a bit of a, like a detective. She's almost undercover. I mean, she's hiding really because she could get into trouble. There's this murky past and she doesn't want to go back to whatever that memory was. And she's escaping some, she doesn't quite know what, and she doesn't know what happened to her brother. She doesn't know if she's in trouble. So she's got shields up um, all, 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 all the time. But also there's, as I said, she's her own worst enemy. So there's these things that are coming out that she can't really control. So she's kind of constantly thwarted by this 
thing that she doesn't know what it is. But um, yeah, I th I think I wanted her to come come out as the show progresses. Um, trying to do that with having a big internal emotional world or, or but also she's clever and quite manipulative in a way as, as Bo was mentioning before and so she's not gonna obviously give, give things away to the other characters um, so she's kind of bluffs them and us and yeah I mean, yeah. the, the, the fact that she is very conscientious of how people are viewing her, she's very aware that people, you know, they're all in an enclosed space on this ship. And, and so people do gossip and they talk about her and they have ideas and perceptions. Um, and so she is being very conscientious about what she gives away. And even, you know, when there's someone that she's talking to on the ship, who is telling her about them losing family on Prometheus, she doesn't say anything in return and admit that she has a personal connection to this either. Um, yeah. And so what was that dynamic for you in, in finding a lot of the, the scenes with other characters and, and kind of <laughs> essentially making sure that you, yourself are also never giving too much away and never giving too much detail yeah well she does never knows who knows her father or it's definitely obvious she's she doesn't want to be found in some way um so yeah I think that was between Bo and I and talking about that and is it clever for her to be so acerbic right now or kind of to challenge him so much or or why does she feel compelled to say this to this person? Or, or so, yeah. What 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 drives her? Why doesn't she just? Otherwise, she just stay in her room and just hide and not talk to anyone. Um, so yeah, it was always an ongoing discussion. And as I said earlier, it's almost like a chance, really. Sort of have to wait and see, and and then see if it works and see which which that's a nerve-wracking way to work but also that a show like this and people who work in that way that's how you how you gonna how you approach it so um and hope for the best and they're very clever I mean there's things that they're doing Yancha, that you're not even aware of really and you don't see until the final product until the whole the post-production is done and then you see that everything feeds into it and the entire atmosphere and the entire world and the ocean and what it's doing. And it's a bit like, um, remind me a bit of, do you know, Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry? <laughs> then, well, there's a bit, and every time the characters are going through something, the weather kind of, there's a word for it, when the weather complements your, what you, oh, what's happening to you in this. Pathetic many, fallacy? Yeah, there's many reasons for that in 1899, which would be spoilery for me to chat about. But it's sort of all the whole thing, the whole atmosphere, everything just feeds into, I think, also her psychology, her point of view and her emotional um, journey and loss and all this sort of stuff. I think water felt very significant of the whole thing that, <laughs> I don't know, it sounds strange, but the whole loss or the, the grief that she was experiencing and and 
Um, yeah. <laughs> Trying not to give it all away. And. <laughs> <laughs> it's also it, it's quite interesting in in watching a character that when there's things which create a lot of questions for the other characters yes just, like that her responses are, are quite distilled down because you know like you're alluding to and like you're saying you know she's dealt with that idea of not being certain what truth is mm-hmm. and what it's what isn't you know so mm-hmm. when they they find the boy who's locked inside the cabinet everybody else is really shocked by that and mm-hmm. she doesn't seem that surprised. Um, mm-hmm. And did you get a view quite early on that there were going to be instances like that where for everybody else it's a million mm-hmm. questions, but for her it it doesn't feel as unusual because of everything that she's already been processing? Yes, well, Moira knows there's a significant reason why there's a ship and why the other ship disappeared and that her father has a connection to it and he's a very manipulative, clever, powerful character and that there is something deeply fucked up about the whole situation that that um that she, she knows that there's this connection to it all but of course she can't say to anyone cuz if that got back and then it linked back then she would be found and she's trying to escape something but she doesn't quite know what so yeah and also the boy provokes something in her and there's all sorts of confusions. I mean, you find out, discover about their relationship later on, um, which is a very significant relationship. And so I think, um, as I said, I think as as I guess Boniancha, I think we discussed it together, or maybe I talked about it, that. Of course, this what is actually happening informs, which we don't know, and she doesn't know, informs what we see happening. So her reactions would be unexpected as as Bo put it to me once. He had kind of a reference of somebody from Blade Runner who reacts really differently. So maybe Moira reacts in a totally opposite way how you think she would react to certain things. Um, so it's, it's stirring up something. <laughs> it sounds so complicated, but as I said, like an onion. So it's like stirring up something in the subconscious, which is different to the consciousness of what's actually happening. So she's feeling something different or something provocative or strange than just this creepy boy. There's um, some, some other things. <laughs> And I did also want to ask you about the technology that that you were mentioning earlier. I think it's LED volume, where in essence it's it's using LED screens instead of green screen, yeah. um, and how that shifted a lot of the experience of making this. Because even just the fact that you know you could change the entire setting and mm-hmm. the camera wouldn't have to move, so it changed the dynamic even just between scenes as well. Um, but what was the difference in working with that on a show like this? If we weren't working with it, um, that was when COVID was really bad, and there was all sorts of quarantining, lockdowns, all sorts of things. So if we had traveled to all these different destinations, I mean, we would have been, to get to Berlin alone, we had to, I had to quarantine for 10 days in Poland. And then before I entered Berlin, and then, um, so it would have been a lot longer and trickier to shoot. And um, also equally, if we were doing it all on green screen, it was, Actually, I've never actually really done much green screen work before, so I can't say, but it, it 
from what everyone says, it's hard work because it's for an actor because it's a green screen. <laughs> so you're just in a green room. Um, so yeah, it was it was very useful for us. We were lucky to, as actors to be able to use it because we were surrounded by obviously the ocean, which moves, and it does feel like you're a bit seasick. Some people feels like you're moving because your surroundings are going like this the entire time. Um, and you know, you could be in Scotland on the moors and just transported into like a big landscape or something else. So it you know what you're looking at basically, and it makes you feel different because they look beautiful to look at. And up close, they're obviously quite pixelated and on the camera, they just look amazing. Um, but uh, I think technically for the crew, it was difficult. There were about 20 operators who were operating the machine at once and then having to angle it round. So occasionally it would black out, but not really often. It was pretty, well, from what I saw, it was pretty great. Um, yeah, and then the stage rotated and it would move and we'd have rain machines and wind machines and. So it was a bit like a virtual reality experience. <laughs> so maybe this is the future. <laughs> That's a dark um, prophecy, but, uh, <laughs> but it reminded me a bit of uh, what is it when um, on Star Trek, when they go into these virtual holidays, they go into this room and it's a virtual experience. And they're like, wow, I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> but um, so it was, yeah, it was very uh, sensory experience, which was um, great. You didn't have to pretend there was wind or rain blowing in your face. It just was happening, <laughs> which was very fun. I like the gimbal. It's a gimbal that moves the set from side to side. That's my favorite thing. Because you're going, Wah! falling on each side. I think they must have used that in Triangle of Sadness. I don't know if you've seen it all yeah. flying from one end of the room to the other. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of seasickness on screen on that one. <laughs> Yeah, I never got seasick. The others, some other people did, but uh, really, really enjoyed the gimbal. Yeah, yeah. it's it's also <laughs> quite striking in in watching the show because the majority of it is taking place, you know, at dark and quite shadowy spaces, and and obviously they're being incredibly specific about what we're seeing in any frame, you know, and so a lot of the frames are quite close up on character as well and so did yeah. you have to be quite specific in terms of that relationship with the camera and very much knowing where it is knowing where the light was knowing what was going to be in frame or was that kind of outside of what you were having to focus on in scenes I don't think so I think well Bo's got a very um specific taste for what he likes aesthetically I think he went to art school he was a painter and he's got a he's enjoys visuals and I think dark and their other movies look really striking visually. I think they're very beautiful and tonally very dark and shadowy, um, which also does a lot of the work for you. I mean, it's it does just affect everything when their shadows suddenly falling down. Um, makes a big difference to an atmosphere. And, and so once you see in the after post effects, and because they have a lighter monitor and a darker monitor, so you can actually see things. And the darker one just suddenly looks really rich and atmospheric and gloomy and um but yeah the colors everything's really beautiful so we'll get that for free it just looks yeah a lot of depth to it um not really I mean I I, I guess every show is different some want everything this way or some don't and I think maybe they appreciate things going into shadow and light and I like that too so um, I like a film or whatnot where everything's a bit 
not perfect and um, you see shadows or movement or people come in and out, it has a more kind of real, for me anyway, I feel like it has a more immediate feel. I like it as a viewer. I like that kind of raw feel of it. Um, so, yeah. Although maybe I should be more conscious of things technically. I think probably the cameraman DOP would agree with that. But, <laughs> but nobody ever told me about it. So. And with everything that you've been describing in, in terms of with this character, all of the different layers and all the different directions, the fact that she's quite unpredictable, she's also responding mm -hmm. to things in terms of the conscious and the subconscious, how did you approach just kind of tracking all the elements of that? Because again, you're obviously, you're not, you're not filming the entire series specifically in order scene by scene, I'm sure. Um, and so what was your approach for really just tracking the different trajectories of where she's going when there's so many, you know, non-linear threads to a character in a, in a show? I had to have a chart. I mean, naturally, sometimes I write down the scene order and everything anyway, because you always film out of sequential order. So you know, you have to go, oh, I'm all the way back here. Oh, yeah. That, um, so to jog your memory. But uh, um, yeah, for especially for this, I mean, couldn't impossible to do it without eight episodes. It was just like a huge, huge kind of cross-country <laughs> jog, I think. Um, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, the little points and then asking them what, yeah, so kind of all these changes, and then also what Moira has decided, what how her perception has shifted because of find ring. Ring appears in pocket. Ring is in here. Um, um, uh, I get a message from so-and-so that tells me this. And, and then what Moira decides with that, whether she thinks that's true or a bluff or what. And then when that's coming out later and when she's yielding to so-and-so or opening up to so-and-so or um, what her choices are. I mean, it all moves so fast. Sometimes you're like, uh, should I have talked to Yancha about that? I mean, there's never a right or wrong answer. So you, as you say, sometimes you look back and you go, fuck, I mean, but actually, it's sometimes the way it is or the way it should be. So I think, yeah, it's always kind of a balance of judgment about, yeah. Yeah. And then letting it go and going, actually, well, this is this is who the character is. So now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so fascinating having to just think about all of the moving on. Yeah. It's it's definitely a huge volume of gymnastics that you've had to do in terms of this performance and this character, but you know, it it's really, really paid off in the episodes I've seen so far. So I can't wait to see the rest to to figure out all the the backstory and the details, hopefully. But congratulations on the series and thank you so much, Emily. I really appreciate your time today.